Hi guys and welcome to the Living Deeply podcast. This is a show sharing stories about travel and transformation, alignment, love and relationships, books and writing. I'm your host Morelle Parker. I'm a storyteller, author, splenic projector in human design, Capricorn with a Pisces moon and Aries ascending. I've been a transformational life coach and English as a second language teacher. I'm 43 and from Perth, West Australia with an Indian mother and an Australian father. I've also had metastatic breast cancer for eight years and been in an induced menopause for five to give you more than just the highlight reel. But I truly believe everything happens for a reason or we can choose how we relate as the victim or the victor as I hope that my stories will reveal. So today I'm going to continue on from last week's podcast which was about the breakup that changed my life and in that one I focused on talking about the breakup and then I went to India and all these amazing things happened where I learned about the power of the mind or I started that before I left and then all these amazing things happened and it ended in me learning to use an SLR camera, working on a documentary and then also starting to write my first novel and being encouraged to do that and that set me on this life path of 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 writing really so today i'm going to talk about the other major thing that this breakup that changed my life led to and that was learning about meditation so i want i'm going to read some of a post that i wrote on my blog in 2015 because I just started I just was wanted to talk more about the breakup that changed my life and then I found this on my website and I thought I really liked the way it was written so I'm going to to read it and it's called a beautiful mind so this will give you a bit of a summary of the breakup as well And then I'll tell more about learning meditation in Dharamshala, India, which is where the Dalai Lama lives, and the other Tibetans who are in exile as well. But first, a beautiful mind. Have you ever wished that your mind would be quiet for once? At the age of 24, I came to a point in my life when I really wanted my mind to shut the fuck up. This is how my spiritual journey began. I had broken up with my boyfriend a few months prior to this and I was still being tormented by it. There was a bucking bull between my ears holding me by a horn and dragging me face down through the dirt. And oh, how it burned badly. I was a woman possessed. Unable to think straight, the only way to calm my nerves and stop the bullet train that had become my thoughts was to do the drive-by. You know, from back in the days before online stalking became the way to feed your crazy. When driving by the house, relentless late-night phone calls and quote-unquote chance encounters were our only options. I don't know what I hoped to find there. A light on? Another woman stopping by? What was there to catch? 
Curiosity had led me by the throat, but this raging fire was only being stoked. The problem had started when I felt his attention, which I believed to mean love, fading. I'd absolutely adored how into me he was for the first year. But when that shifted and he became preoccupied with other things in life, I couldn't handle it. I wanted things to go back to how they were. I probably would have stamped my foot in protest. I'd become hooked on his attention and his compliments and I needed him to keep feeding me, damn it. But alas, I was no longer queen bee in his hive and how I hated it. My ego went to crazy town. I tried to get things back into how they were, but reminiscing, scolding, sulking, silence, seduction, nothing worked. I could not get his attention back on me. So, sick of it all, ablaze, irrational, and rather too soon, as was my way, I went for the breakup. Unfortunately, it didn't work. Even this did not inspire the return to devotion that I'd been hoping, wishing, pleading and begging for. However, it did send my mind spinning off into other galaxies far, far away. For a while it was okay. Any time I could feel like he still wanted me, I was okay. When I went off and didn't hang out for a while and he wondered where I was, I could totally handle that. We were friends and I was cool with being his number one best female friend as long as he didn't find any other woman more attractive within like the radius of the whole world and okay at least to the edges of our solar system. The real problem came when he moved on with another woman. That's when my ego kicked into the highest of gears and I became obsessed like only a woman can. Maybe that's true for men too I don't know I was so sick of myself and that's when I found absolute happiness it was a book about how to remove emotional blocks and train your mind what we can train our minds wahooey yes sweet one if you don't train your mind you will be controlled by it at that time when I was 24 I realised that I found it so hard to let go of relationships because I was always hanging on so tightly to the past. I loved to reminisce with my friends, but I also got caught up in wishing things would go back to how they were and this prevented me from appreciating what was happening right now and from this place of enjoyment creating my future. I didn't think I still had this challenge, but the ego can work in very subtle ways. Just in our day-to-day lives, this egoic monkey mind jumps around and distracts from our purpose and disrupts our peace. It's the chatterbox in our heads. It's the voice that's constantly reminding us of what we have to do and where we have to be. Do you ever feel like everywhere you look there's a project, paint toenails, pluck eyebrows, tidy desk, shave legs, buy new clothes, wash old clothes, print, sign and scan form, send emails, reply, update, upload, call, message back, shop, pack, withdraw, apply, get more sleep, drink more green juice, take iodine. Ah, that's the chatterbox keeping us small. 
With all this chatter, you cannot hear the clear voice of your intuition or your inner guidance system. By creating space in our minds, we are able to become a clear channel to receive wisdom and guidance. Well, when I was 24, that's what I did. I went to India and I finally learned to quieten my mind through meditation. So eat, pray, love, I know, but I was going anyway and this was before eat, pray, love too. So before that, I'd done Ashtanga yoga for five years and the part I disliked the most was the Shavasana at the end when you were supposed to lie there and be still. Be still? What? I wasn't used to being still. I was used to reading while I ate, writing to fill the time and keeping my mind busy. So I would lie there listening for the teacher's footsteps to signal the end of this crazy 10-minute stillness. Even after an hour of yoga practice, my mind would be jumping around incoherently from thought to passing thought. The only way I had to make sense of it all at that point was to write. But all that changed in India. That was when I learnt to meditate for the first time in my life and create that stillness in my head. So what happened was after I had finished with the UN documentary and um, I decided to finally do some travelling like I had wanted to do and we got to Dharamshala to work on a, well, my friend who was a sound engineer was working on a Tibetan film. So I got to tag along for the recce, which is where they, you just go and you look for film locations for an upcoming film that you're going to be working on. So I got to go and tag along to that and see where the Tibetans lived in Dharamshala. And then afterwards, my friend left me there to go back to Mumbai and I stayed on and was staying in this beautiful hotel that it was a simple hotel but it had this amazing view of the mountains all around or the hills all around. But Dharamashala is in the foothills of the Himalayas anyway so it's a very holy place with all the Tibetans there and Tibetan culture as well. They have things like momos which are the Tibetan dumplings and they have lots of monks and nuns around there, Tibetan nuns. So I, yeah, so I, I saw there a lot of spiritual things you can do there too and I saw this flyer for a two-day meditation course and like I told in the podcast on the breakup that changed my life number one podcast episode one I had read this book holy cow before I left for India and it was all about this it was written by this uh, Australian journalist who was in India with her partner who was stationed here and she was exploring all these things religious things that you could do or spiritual things that India had to offer and one of them she went to do this Vipassana meditation course. So that is a 10-week meditate a 10-day meditation course. And I really wanted to do that at the time too, but at this point I didn't feel I had a time to do that. 
And so I signed up for this two-week meditation, two-day meditation course. And I, yeah, so it was a silent meditation retreat and it in the evenings we'd go back to our places where we were staying. So, but during the day we had to be in silence from like 9am to 5pm. And that was the first time I'd ever done that. And then we learned meditation from this Swiss Tibetan nun, uh, a Swiss Buddhist nun, sorry. Uh, So what I remember most from there is that she taught us that there is a space between the action and and the reaction and if you sit in it, it grows. So what this means is that if you, something happens, before you react to it immediately, you just breathe out, you just sit in that space and the space grows and then you can respond to whatever happens if you choose to. But it's a way of not reacting straight away and doing things that you regret or saying things that you regret. And that that teaching really changed my life. So I started to practice it. And even on the weekend, I noticed on Saturday, I hadn't had that good a sleep and I noticed that the ego, this chatterbox and the judge in my head was arcing up, you know, was like being critical of myself and others. And so I realized in that moment that the real practice of presence is in every moment, you know, it's not when... We, it's not that one day we'll wake up and feel completely present, although that happens more and more the more meditation that you do. But we're always going to have this, this challenge of um, that chatterbox and judge in our heads. And the practice is in coming back to stillness and to silence and to presence. And how we can do that is simply by breathing out and becoming conscious of our breath so we breathe in and on the out breath there is that silence and the more that we practice that we do that again and again and then we we experience that silence within so that's what I was practicing doing it on Saturday and then on Sunday I didn't have that problem and I didn't have much, as much of that problem on Saturday either after practicing this and realizing that the practice is presence and so since this time when I was 24 and I learned this I have done a lot more meditation I mean I did meditation for a while after that and then since when I was 38 I actually went and did that Vipassana meditation course and when I and since then that 10-day meditation retreat, I have practiced meditation every day for 30 minutes and that really changes your brain in ways that you didn't even know you needed changing. So I became like a totally different person in the best way and those things that were still disturbing me, like there were ways that I would react in certain situations those things they just they just changed from practicing this 30 minute meditation a day 
and yeah and I still receive the benefits from it so if you haven't tried meditation I would really encourage you to do it even if it's for 10 minutes a day 20 minutes a day that's all you need to do to experience how your brain changes a guy explained it to me as it actually softens your brain so it makes your reactions less fast in a good way so you're not just like snapping back and then regretting the things that you say. And the other thing that I learned in Dharamshala from that Swiss Buddhist nun, we were talking at one point or she was talking about love and she asked us, this room full of, you know, hippie travellers, what, what our definition of love is and it came to, she said, that love is wanting someone else to be happy. And one Israeli guy, I remember asking about what if that's with another person? And she said, yeah, that is love. Like if that is love, if wanting someone else to be happy and even if that's with another person, that's what love is. So that was the other big thing that had an influence on my life. And what I remember most about that two-day meditation retreat. Returning three months later, my life was better than ever because I was better than ever. I was finally able to loosen my grip. For a while I kept up the daily meditation practice and I have continued to dabble in it over the years. This is what I wrote when I was 36 in 2015. And I will continue to read from this post. Lately, though, I have truly come back into the practice in a much deeper way. A week into twice daily, 11 to 20 minute meditations, I started to feel the wonder of sitting with a mind heavy with silence. Look forward to it and feel its benefits. For one, it is enabling me to be truly happy on my own, which I have recently discovered is quite different when you're living on your own and truly are on your own to when time alone means taking a break from your partner or family. Meditation has quickly helped me savour my own company to be less sleepy and more motivated even in the evenings. Sound good? This month there is even a global meditation challenge called Mindfulness in May with participants committing to 10 minutes daily to bring more focus and effectiveness into their lives. You probably know that a regular meditation practice eases anxiety, depression and stress. Even in my 20-minute practice, there's a feeling that comes through meditation when I am vibrating with the cosmos and a smile comes across my face with a sense that everything is okay. We don't need to do, be, feel or say anything at all, despite what we may feel when we turn on social media. Everything is perfect in our imperfect lives. There are many ways to meditate, but how I do it is by focusing on my breath. Before I start, I say a prayer and then at the beginning of my meditation, I repeat, I am being guided, I will receive, several times to calm my mind and quieten the chatterbox. Then I focus on the breath 
And when thoughts come up, especially if they cause an emotion, I might say, I'm having this thought about blah, 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 but it is not real and let it pass before refocusing on my breath and allowing the exquisite silence to engulf me again. It's so good. A week into the practice, my thoughts started to actually slow down too, so I could examine them. I started to see how old patterns of thought and behaviour had been operating in my life, forgive myself and release them. Through meditation, we may see our thoughts as they really are products of our past and our learnt perception. In meditation, our thoughts become untangled and ever so gently we set ourselves free. That's what it feels like to me anyway. For you it may be completely different. I'd love to know what you feel. And if you like this or know someone who may need to hear this, please share it on social media and leave me a review on Apple or wherever you're hearing this. Thank you so much. Sharing is healthy. You know, I wrote that at a time in 2015, it was May, when I felt I was coming out of a really bad breakup. Actually, I was coming out of two breakups, one breakup on top of the other. You know, I tried to move on and I just then experienced a really bad breakup and meditation is one of the things that helped me to get back into alignment. So if it's something that speaks to you then try it too it's free and yes please leave me a review on apple just a short review i would love that thank you so much and i'll see you next time i hope you've had a, enjoyed today's stories and i will be back with you in a week for some more stories lots of love bye